can preach. Come on, come on. Except he be sick. We are living in the last days. And we had better hear the word of God. We have a young man here today. I was blessed to share a preaching experience with him. Not so long ago, and he preached my soul happy, preached my brother's soul happy. Amen. Mother's Day, amen. That's what it was, yeah. And one thing God has not done, he has not put his word into any one person. But all of us have our gifts. All of us have been blessed by God to carry this word. So we're going to present to some and introduce to others the Reverend Owen Butler, Associate Minister of Mount Vernon Baptist Church. He's going to break unto us bread of life. We're going to get on our feet.
Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. For he is worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. He is worthy, oh so worthy, to be praised. It is once again a great pleasure to be with you once again, Olive Branch. Been coming this way for about 17 years now. In a much different capacity. Under my father in the ministry, Pastor E.A. Johnson, associate to Lynch and Learning from a great master of the art of preaching. Amen. And a great pastor and a great man of God. And knowing the great pastor of this church, kind-hearted and big, Pastor Rucker. Just always been sweet and always been kind. To associate ministers as well. We stumbling and crawling and trying to find our way. But Pastor Rucker was right there and said, come on, son. It's going to be all right. (laughs) And to this other great pastor preacher, Reverend Childs. Season preacher in the gospel. And I do enjoy the times we spend together, and on Mother's Day, we had a wonderful time. This man took the 13th chapter of Hebrews and unpacked that chapter. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And there's somebody else here that's special to me as well. On my right side, that's on that organ. Play them keys like an angel from heaven. <laughs> my big brother in the gospel. Pastor Gerald Ballou has been instrumental in my ministry. Early on when I first started preaching, he didn't even really know me. But God used him to speak a word into my life to confirm my road and confirm my destiny. And I'm so thankful for him. Over the years of letting me come by and stumble and bumble and knock over stuff, over at Zion Travels. And he's just so gracious. He just, after I leave, put it all back together. Say it's a good job, son. Amen. But that's my big brother in the gospel. Amen. And to this other great God talker, good to see you as well. Amen. And last but not least, my beautiful wife, Cassandra Butler. Amen. Wave your hand, baby. Amen. She's with me all over the country when we're going places. And I know she gets tired, but she always supports me, and I appreciate it so very much. And to the officers, members, and visitors of Olive Branch, God bless you today. Amen. And without further ado, if you would go with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 40. Psalm 40. You know, Olive Branch, as we're turning to Psalm 40, it is amazing how when you're surrounded with enough great God talkers and seasoned preachers of the gospel, even after 16 years of preaching, I feel like this is my trial sermon. (laughs) 
But praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> For he is worthy to be praised. <laughs> Psalm 40. Amen. If you have it, please say amen. Amen. Psalm 40. Starting at verse 1. You will find these words. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Thank you for standing for reading of God's word. I read to you Three verses from Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. And if you would, with me for a few moments, I would like to speak with you from the thought. It is definitely worth waiting for. It is definitely worth waiting for. In the historical context of Psalm 40, the psalmist David has been restored to his throne. The war with his beloved son, Absalom, is over. Absalom is dead. The story is such a gut-wrenching story in the life of David. When you're talking about a horrible pit. David's life took a turn. And it took a turn for the worst. After his affair with Bathsheba, The son between them died. And God said to David that the sword would never leave his house. A horrible pit. And we find as the story unraveled that David had a son by the name of Amnon. And he had a daughter by the name of Tamar. And his own son raped his own daughter, whom that was his sister. What a horrible pit. And in this pit, David is waiting on the Lord. Knowing that his situation is because of his own actions. 
But it didn't stop there. Because his third son, whom he loved dearly, Absalom, avenged his sister Tamar by killing his brother Amnon. Think about that for a minute, mothers and fathers. Think about your own children whom you love that are killing and raping one another in your house. It's a horrible pit. But he waited on the Lord. See, David was one whom God said was after his own heart. Even in the midst of his failures and his frailties. David was smart enough to say, Lord, I have sinned against thee and thee only. God is not looking for perfect people. But he's looking for imperfect people who trust in a perfect God. Am I right about it? I mean, I'm in the right house this day. So now we have a context to work with historically in the life of David. We have an emotional context to see where David is. He has been restored to the throne, but at a great cost. At such a cost that his beloved son, Absalom, is dead. But when we look at this text, when we look at verse 1, we see the words, I waited patiently. There's something here that's very interesting in this text, and that is when you do a word study on those two words. What you find is that in the Hebrew, those words are the same. So we could also say, I waited, waited on or for the Lord. I like that because David could very well be saying to us that I waited, then I waited some more. I, I, I waited through the trials and the tribulations of my own sin. I, I, I waited through the death of my, my leader in the army because I was selfish and because I wanted everything for myself that I even resorted to murder. I waited. I waited when, when I realized that the prophet had come to me and say, you are the one. And then I was contrite in spirit and went to the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins. I acknowledged to the Lord that I am falling short of the glory of God. And I have no way back to you unless you forgive me and draw me close. I I waited. And I I waited longer as, 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 as my son Amnon was killed by my other son Absalom. I I waited while my older son raped his sister when I thought I couldn't wait no more. 
I'm hurting down on the inside. My children are dying in front of me. Right. And even those who are alive, they're almost as if they're dead. Right. I, I, I waited till I couldn't wait no more. Life seemed like the lights were going out. And I thought I couldn't go no further. But I waited on the Lord. And then when I could not wait any longer, I waited. What do you mean, David? When I ran out, God ran in. When all my strength was gone, God gave me an injection of the power of his Holy Ghost that now I can wait just a little while longer. I thought I needed to throw in the towel, but God said the race is not over. Wait on the Lord. There may be somebody here today who feels like the end is near. That after this service, when I go home, I want to throw in the towel. But I'm here to encourage you in the spirit of admonition. Keep on waiting. Even when you can't wait no longer, know that there is a God who has all power in his hand that can give you what you need to wait a little while longer. Now look at this text. He said, I waited. And I waited for the Lord. I waited patiently. I didn't just sit back on the couch and cross my legs, turn on my favorite TV program, and eat bonbons. No. I, I, I didn't get me some smothered pork chop. I didn't get me no fried chicken, but I waited on the Lord. I, 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 I waited intensely. I, I, I put myself in a position to where the Lord could hear my cry. I, I, I leaned on the Lord. Because what we find in the book of Isaiah and Interestingly, the 40th chapter that Isaiah waited. And that waiting, the day that wait is one who trusts and holds on tight to the Lord. He didn't just sit there and kick back, but he said, I'm waiting on the Lord and I'm not going to let him go. In the midst of this time that I know I can't do nothing about, I know someone who can do something about my situation. And that one, I'm not going to let go till he bless me. Do y'all hear me today? You got to wait on the Lord. Even when you're in the middle of your living room and you're spinning around and around in your situation, you can't go straight. And you ain't doing a good job of going crooked. Wait on the Lord. And I noticed also here in this text, Pastor Baloo, he didn't wait on Congress. 
He didn't wait on a welfare program. He didn't wait on Obamacare. He didn't wait on a slogan of hope and trust. He didn't wait on anything else but the Lord. I believe David understood that the systems of his day, even though we're in a modern contemporary context, the systems of his day were just like ours. They were man-made and they were prone to failure. But he realized that there was one that he could wait on, that there is no failure in him. He said, I waited and waited on the Lord. See, we as Christians, we have the ultimate resource for every one of our needs. But our culture will try to convince us that we need Republican or Democrat. Welfare Wick or food stamps. We need, we need some kind of propaganda or some kind of movement by man in order to get our needs met. I'm here today to admonish you not to listen to that propaganda. Because don't ever forget that our enemy of our soul, Satan, is the prince of the power of the air. Don't ever forget that Jesus also said he is the prince of this world. Paul said the God of this world. And he is the orchestrator of the system of the world. Governments, their actions, a lot of things that's going on are being orchestrated by Satan. But we need to be alert and sober in our thinking. And quit relying on everything else that's prone to fail and has an evil element of control. But wait on the Lord. He has no failure in him. God says to us that the silver and the gold is his. I love to think about the words of God when he says to us, Yahweh says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it. The cattle on a thousand hills and of course the hills thereof. When you serve a God like we serve, who every government and every official is under his control. Why fool around with the middleman? Go on straight to the Lord. And so we look at this text and we see that David says, and he conclined to me and heard my cry. God knows where we are. He knows our situation. So all he wants to do to hear from us is to call on his name. Even in the book of Genesis, it says that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. 
Because they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from the predicament of hell and then being transferred to heaven, but also saved of the everyday predicaments of life. In the reconciliation to Jesus Christ and the much more. Not only are we in right standing in relationship with Christ, but there's the much more that he will take care of you in whatever state that you're in. Wait on the Lord because it's definitely worth waiting for. In this first verse, when he inclined his ear to me and heard my cry, there's something here in the absence of what's not here. And what's not here is that David heard the Lord say to him, I'm here. And I heard your cry. Sometimes we get discouraged and we think the Lord is not hearing us because we don't hear from him. The Lord's hearing you, his spiritual speaking to your spirit is not necessarily a, a, a prerequisite for him hearing you. Yeah. He hears you whether or not you hear him. And so in the midst of that, you know, you must take it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. Wait on it. Look at this text. He didn't see God moving on his behalf. He didn't see God move closer to him, inclined to me. But he saw it by faith. And we see that when the children of God cry out, even when you're broken, even when you have transgressed against God, if you call on his name and ask for forgiveness, he will hear from you. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son. Surely, if you're that valuable, he will hear your cry. So look here in verse 2. And he also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And set my feet upon a rock. And established my steps. Such a horrible pit that we have discussed with his family issues and murder and rape. And it's interesting here in verse 2 that David talks about the miry clay. He doesn't just call it clay, but he calls it miry clay. I'm from a little place called Rose Acres. Outside of Texarkana, Texas. And, and, and back over in there, when I was growing up, there were dirt roads. But Texas has some special dirt. That's red. And when it's dry, it's hard as a rock. 
We call it that old red clay dirt. Now this old red clay dirt in the hot summer heat with no rain it's like driving on asphalt. As, as, as the cars beat that thing down it gets a smooth sheen to it. And it's hard as a rock. You can fall on that thing and break your leg. But when it rains, huh? When it rains, that hard as rock clay dirt that was so easy to travel across almost begins to be like quicksand. Your cars begin to try to go through it and drop down in it and they're stuck. B-model tractors can come along and try to pull you out and if those big wheels get caught up in that miry clay and that moist and softened clay even they get stuck it can easily start to look like an impossibility when you've dropped down in the miry clay but look at here when all the vehicles are not able to take care of because they're in the same miry clay. David understood that other people were in the same miry clay that he was in and he couldn't look for them to get him out but he had to find somebody who stood on a solid rock. And I heard our Jesus say, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. He heard the Lord. He called and waited on the Lord and the Lord took him up out of that horrible pit in a place that the more he tried to work himself out, the more he worked himself in. Come on, y'all. Sound like somebody here know about that Myra Clay. That the more you spend your times, the deeper you go in. The more kind of thoughts and schemes you come up with, the deeper you go. But when the Lord reaches down, he's on a solid rock and he will bring you up and set you down on a place where now you can walk and you not faint. You can run with endurance for this race is to the end. And so we look here at this text and we see that he set upon the rock. That rock, the Jesus Christ, the living God. He set upon him and he's established his steps. He has shown him the path that he is to take. And he comes with a contrite heart and that's where we've got to be. Realizing that we can't get ourselves out of our situations. But we must trust in the Lord to get us out of our miry clay. We ought to stop trying to come up with schemes and dreams to get out of something that's designed only for the Lord to see us through. And as I come to the end of this little talk, first three, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. The multiplicity of benefits that David is illustrating to us in verse 3. 
You know, a lot of times we sing to sing our way out of our situation. But there are some times that we need to realize that when God sees us out of our situation, he will put in us a new song. There will be a song in your heart that you have never sang before when the Lord puts it on the inside. Now look at how gracious the Lord is. He has delivered you out of your situation, delivered you out of your miry clay. And after he delivers you, he puts in you a new song, a song that you never sang before. And it lifts him up because your situation was for his glory. Do you see that in the text? Because it says praise to our God. That's what it's all about. God sees you through your situation so that you can give praise and glory to him. And then on the other side of that, there are those on the outside looking in, not understanding what's really going on. But when they see you in your situation and suddenly you have been made free, and then they hear this new song, who gives praise to our heavenly father. They will look and they will fear him because they know that he's a mighty powerful God. But not only that, they will trust in the Lord. It is through your trials and your tribulations. It is through your muck and mire. It is through your deliverance from your situation that the world sees that there is a reality in serving a true and living God. So I'm telling you today that it's definitely worth waiting for. Because it's not just for you and yours, but there's a whole world out there who's dying and going to hell and they need to see the reality of trusting in the Lord. And you know, after we talk about all of this trusting, all of this waiting, I got to end somewhere with Jesus. (laughs) Before the foundation of the world, he waited. He waited before there was a beginning. Because the word of God says, in that beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And about verse 14 in that first chapter of the gospel journal, it said that the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. Full of grace and truth. The ultimate waiter. His name is Jesus. Pastor Rock. I found out that my Jesus and your Jesus waited through 42 generations. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, Lord, he waited on a virgin. And he was born right. Oh, yes, he was.
nothing worth waiting for. But you don't have to wait by yourself.